Hey gang, welcome back to uh, Put on a Stack of 45s with the Splendid Bohemians. I am Rich Buckland and my partner in California, in the heated climate of California, as I sit in the 90 degree weather of uh, Florida. My pal, Bill Mesnick. How you doing, buddy? Hiya, hiya. How are you? How are you? How are you? How are you? Boy, let me tell you something, my friend. You got those fires cooking out there. How are they doing? Well, uh, actually, today it's a little cooler, so um, we're feeling uh, we're feeling blessed. Oh, nice, nice, nice. It's not a zillion degrees out there. It's no, strange it's high weather. I have eighty today. Oh, all right. That's so twelve it's degrees. Going to be a hundred on the weekend, but yeah, right now, yeah, I have eighty. You're going to have a nice Labor Day, uh, a heated Labor Day weekend. It's going to be hot. It's going to be hot, baby. Speaking of hot, we've got uh, we've got a record for you. We've got the defiant the the indelibly defiant Leslie Gore to speak of with a 45 RPM masterpiece from 1964, a song that was on the top 10. It it was number two for three weeks, but couldn't break that I want to hold your hand barrier. And we're we're talking about You Don't Own Me. Leslie Sue Goldstein, who would have thought... Yeah, hi. A nice Jewish girl on the Tammy show with uh, James Brown and the Rolling Stones and uh, Smokey and Marvin and everybody. What a break. What a break in 64. And she performed You Don't Own Me on the Tammy show as well as one of the few performers. She's 17 years old. And she gets a slot where she gets to perform You Don't Own Me, It's My Party, Judy's Turn to Cry. Uh Pretty, pretty hot stuff for uh, for that particular period, given the company she was keeping and the time slots allowed for that famous 1964 Teenage Award Show hosted by Jan and Dean. A uh, lot of heavyweights came together to make this cut happen. Um, John Madara and David White, I found this fascinating. They wrote the song. And David White, does that name sound familiar to the you? Name does Philadelphia songwriter. Yep, he is one of the founders of Danny and the Juniors. Danny and the Juniors, and he wrote at the Hop, Rock and Roll is here to stay, and one, two, three, the Len Barry hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's another. It's it, it's interesting because listening to Danny and the Juniors and their output, you would never have figured that uh, no. this type of, of material, this type of really intense material would be coming from, uh, from that particular writer. But yes. Well, it may have been his partner, John Madara, who in an interview said that civil rights in Philadelphia, the poor situation of civil rights in Philadelphia, kind of inspired the song, as well as the fact that both he and David White were disgusted by the... Um, the, the, you know, the pablum, that the, the type of songs that women had to sing back then. So it, it, it sort of lays the groundwork for this theme of uh, patriarchy that actually runs through the life of this song because this song has never gone away. No, it has never gone away. And although you'd think that it's been covered more times than it actually has, the covers have been... Uh, pretty remarkable covers, particularly when you consider that the Australian artist Grace did it in 2015 and Quincy Jones reprised 
his uh, production uh, duties uh, all those years later. And Quincy Jones, um, you know, we know Quincy Jones has done so many things from movies to Michael Jackson to, you know, We Are the World. His career, the jazz artist that he worked with, Nina Washington. But this song kind of came to him when he was an A&R man for Mercury Records, first black VP for that company. And this sort of marked the beginning of his pop ascendancy. Well, and uh, it was actually It's My Party that marked the beginning. Yeah, It's My Party. Yeah, right. It's My Party began the... Uh, the record before this one. The party for him. I mean, here's a, here's a jazz musician who's trying to keep a band on the road, can't do that, gets an executive position with Mercury, begins to recognize his capabilities with this pop market, uh, and is still, it still has no trouble translating uh, the music of Frank Sinatra. The genius of Quincy Jones is cannot be uh, overstated. Quincy it, Jones, one of the greats of all time. It's, it's, um, it's and a in the arrangement of this record, it, it's um, and I don't know if he if this was him or it was um, the songwriting, but it builds from the minor to the the major uh, in that you know second section of you know. Um, celebration, so it goes from defiance to celebration musically. It has this ascending kind of sweep and power. It's a it's an amazing little record. Yeah, and when you see her performance on the Tammy show of it, uh, they do it through this um, this filter that creates this very odd atmosphere as she's singing the song. Um, hmm. This kind of fog. Uh, yeah, I noticed that. It seems like she's almost like a uh, a spirit. Yeah, they were intentionally trying to change the mood, and uh, the the producer decided well, this this mood seems to be eerie enough for uh, the intensity of, of of this particular song. But it, like you said, w- w- the song uh, was reprised by Grace in 2015 and in the meantime has become a feminist anthem and um, they, they in, in SNL in 2018 uh, they they sang it on the night of the woman's march um, and, and Leslie's personal journey to um, living as a gay woman and she says that when she re- made this record she wasn't even uh, aware at that time of her sexuality. It was more like she just liked the feeling of being able to shake your finger at somebody. When you you know you look at Dusty Springfield's cover, you listen to Joan Jett's cover, The Blow Monkeys. Um, it's it's pretty fascinating. She's got a uh, there's a feel that I think only certain artists can handle with this type of. Uh, with the structure and messaging that are, this is not uh, I want to be Bobby's girl. This is the complete polar opposite of that. And uh, all these years later, it still takes on that, uh, that, that genuine sound of a, almost like a civil rights anthem. 
Yeah, and it 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 is definitely has earned those stripes. And Leslie's career, you know, you it's it's funny how we forget. You know, she was really everywhere for a period of time. Uh, she, she she did episodes on Batman, which was of course a very popular series. She was in the film Ski Party, the one that features James Brown and the famous Flames in red. Uh, ski attire performing uh, I've Got You. She did episodes of Murphy Brown, Playboy After Dark, and she did six episodes of the soap opera All My Children. Oh, wow. So she didn't do anything else besides... No, uh, she hooked up with Bob Crew, and Bob Crew of Four Seasons fame, and uh, in 1970 had a had a reasonable record with uh, California Knights. Oh, great. But, of course, once the game is over, she looked to other things, and her brother, Michael Gore, had film contacts, and Leslie is connected with the film Fame, in which she had written for the film Fame. So she, she was always in the game. And even when she was doing oldie shows, uh, she didn't like to do them with any frequency. She liked to stay home. Her partner, uh, Lois Sassone, of 33 years, um, she she could live without the business. But um, there are some... Well, that was my impression because on my radar, uh, she, she did not appear... Uh, after a certain time. Yeah, and I think that she decided that, uh, you know, she wanted to live a quieter life, and uh, there was really no necessity for her to, uh, as I say, she would do the occasional oldie shows, and there are clips. There's one wonderful clip with Lou Christie and herself performing a medley of uh, Since I Don't Have You and It's Only Make Believe, which is really gorgeous. And she had pipes. I don't think she's given the credit for having the singing ap, uh, aptitude that she that, that she had. No, very. Uh, that was the thing that uh, I think attracted her to Quincy uh, initially was he was looking for a pop artist that could articulate and had kind of a clear sound, and Leslie ticked all those boxes. And also allowed him to use the type of orchestrations with horns and drums of the day that he was more um, comfortable with. So, right. it's, it's, you know, they're rock records, but they're not rock records. It's, it's interesting when you listen to them, especially if you listen to a Leslie Gore compilation with Maybe I Know and Judy's Turn to Cry, et cetera, et cetera. The subject matter, of course, is, is, is teenage, it's adolescence. But there's something about these arrangements that are very striking. But yes. particularly, You Don't Own Me stands out. That's the standout. That's the, uh, that's the masterpiece.
What was on the flip side of uh, what was on the flip side of uh, you don't own me? Oh man, tell me. Run, Bobby, run. Run, Bobby, run. Now, was that also a feminist anthem? I don't believe that that was more. That was less of a feminist anthem, but I like the title. It's like <laughs> get out of here, it's you hot. son of a bitch, because I'm got a I, I got a I got a gun or something. It's run, ominous. Run, Bobby, run. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's it's, it's ominous. And the song, by the way, is in the was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame, only one of 26 songs. And that induction took place in 2016, so that's quite an honor as well. Nice. And yes, my friend, she was on Murphy Brown, and so you and Leslie Gore share a television. We're, 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 we share a degree of separation. Yeah, right, a, a degree of separation. So, unfortunately, Leslie passed away in uh, 2015 of lung cancer. Uh, 68 years old. 68 years old, and with her partner right there with her, Lois, and uh, a fine career, and uh, this recording pretty well defines what that career represented, and it's a very, very strong representation. Yes, Timeless. Here's to you, Leslie, and here's to You Don't Own Me. And here's to that stack of 45s. Keep on spinning, baby. Keep on spinning those platters. Stack of 45s. 